good, everyone? Welcome back to the Creative Collision Podcast. This is Saeed here with a new episode. On this episode, I will be talking about the Lakers and the NBA. Uh, the trade deadline just passed, so I'm going to talk about all the Lakers moves that they made. They made a lot of big moves. Uh, basically changed their whole team up. And I haven't talked about the Lakers at all uh, this season, uh, but anybody who has listened to me knows that they're my favorite team. Uh, it's been a rough season. They're out of the playoffs right now. Uh, but with the All-Star break coming up, it's a good time to reset and um, give an outlook on the rest of the season, especially with all these new players they're going to have. So I'll give my thoughts on, on the Lakers and the moves they made. And then i also talk about LeBron breaking the scoring record because that's a big deal and uh, he should be celebrated for that. Um, i also talk about the Super Bowl and the second half of the podcast and also the Grammys. I want to give a brief uh, uh, summary of the Grammys. Um, I did watch the Grammys in its entirety, which is something I haven't done in a long time. Uh, but this Grammys, um, they did a hip-hop tribute, which is really dope, uh, which is one of the reasons I wanted to watch it. And, uh, of course, Jay-Z performed at the end, which is my favorite rapper all the time. So I got to give some, some of my thoughts on that. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, this, this will be my first NBA Lakers talk in a while. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the NBA again and talk about the Lakers and, and the rest of the, the rest of the season. Hopefully they can, uh, make a push to get into the playoffs and make a run here. Um, so let's get into it. So the Lakers made a flurry of deals. Um, at the deadline, even before the deadline, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they traded for Rui Hachimura, which I thought was a good deal because Rui, you know, is a young player, but still getting better, um, provides size and a, and some athleticism, something the Lakers desperately needed. So uh, Rui was a good start to to begin with. You know, he has um, scoring capabilities, pretty good from the mid range. Decent three-point shooter. So I thought that was a good deal to start off uh, with Ruri a couple weeks ago. And then uh, and then they made a bunch of deals uh, at the deadline. Uh, uh, the main one was uh, getting my boy D'Lo back. <laughs> D'Lo, D'Lo was one, my guy. You know, when the Lakers drafted him, I was I was a big D'Lo fan. Um, you know, I never I never thought of him as like he was going to be a superstar or anything when they drafted him. Uh, I thought he was going to be a you know a good player, all star caliber type of guy. He didn't quite get there with the Lakers. They traded him away uh, when they drafted Alonzo Ball. They traded him away for Brooke Lopez. Um, but he's made his way full circle here. He's back with the Lakers, and I always thought you know he always thought he got kind of a um, a hard. I don't know. He got more. He got really criticized when he was a Laker, and I, I get the whole Nick Young situation and all that. But when it comes to his play, I always felt like he was more um, harshly criticized than some of the other lottery picks. Um, you know, D'Lo as a, when he was a rookie with the Lakers, he you know he he got he got criticized a lot, and I'm like he's young. He was only 19, and then I. I look at some of the other rookies at that time that the Lakers had, like Brandon Ingram, the next year, Alonzo Ball, and uh, those guys had really tough rookie years too. You know, probably worse rookie years than D'Lo did, but um, they they neither of them nearly. Well, Alonzo Ball got criticized a lot because his dad hyped him up, um, 
but he was criticized more um he was criticized more by um uh, I would say uh the fans. D'Lo got criticized by the fans and by the media. Uh they didn't I feel like they didn't really uh like him too much. And uh, Brandon Ingram really struggled as a rookie. Uh he was he was pretty pretty bad as a rookie. He but he didn't get the same criticism either as D'Lo. And because, you know, Ingram's more low-key and quiet. I think D'Lo rubbed people the wrong way uh, when he was first drafted because he was a pretty, you know, cocky kid and things like that. But regardless, you know, I'm going off on that tangent there. But I'm just happy to see him kind of get a second chance as a Laker and prove himself. Who knows if he's here past this year. He's on the last year of his contract. Uh, but, yeah, I was, I'm excited to see him back with the Lakers, especially – playing with LeBron and AD because he has so much talent now around him with those two guys. Um, he never, he's never played with anybody as good as them. Um, so it's going to be excited. Well, he did, he did play with Steph Curry, but that was a short time because Curry got hurt um, uh, when he was with the Warriors. So it's exciting to have D'Lo back. And not only did they get D'Lo back, they got Malik Beasley and Vanderbilt, uh, Jared Vanderbilt um, as well. And, it was three players for basically one for Westbrook. And Westbrook really struggled. We all know his struggles with the Lakers. We all know how, how frustrating it was as a player. Uh, Westbrook is a first ballot Hall of Famer, a great player. But he just it just never worked from the beginning. And I never liked that trade from the start. When the Lakers traded for Westbrook from the, at the beginning, I, I was always iffy on it. I just never liked the fit. So it was a rough ride with Westbrook, but... I wish him the best, man. He's he's a good dude. He's a great player, and he cares a lot. But um, he had to go, you know. So we we got Westbrook. Uh, we traded Westbrook away for three players, essentially. So that's a win for us. And um, you know, Westbrook goes to um, Utah, where he'll probably get bought out. Uh, the T Wolves get Mike Conley. It's a three-team trade. Um, the Lakers had to give up one first-round pick that's top four protected in 2027, which isn't bad. And they got three rotation rotation guys out of it, you know. So, that fit much better. And I look at D'Lo and what he can provide for the Lakers. He's having a career year shooting, career, career high from three um, and uh, from two. Um, so, his overall field goal percentage is like 46%. Uh, and then 39% from three. So he's having a great year shooting. And he's a lot more mature now. He knows who he is. I feel like, um, you know, he still has moments. Because uh, I, ever since the Lakers traded D'Lo, I still kind of kept up with his career. And and uh, been watching him. And, you know, he still has these moments sometimes where he's kind of frustrating. You know, where you'll have bad shooting days. Or he, he doesn't give the effort on defense as much. Uh, or uh, he just has, he still makes dumb plays, <laughs> to be honest. But they're definitely far few than when he was a rookie or, you know, when he was a teenager in his first two years with the Lakers. So he's matured a lot and he knows his role. And um, the one thing I like uh, about him this year is that D'Lo has learned to play off the ball a lot more. Um, if you look at the T-Wolves, um, and they, they've... Um, Gave Anthony Edwards the ball a lot more, let him initiate the offense more and run, run the offense. Uh, and D'Lo has been more off ball, and 
that's something I felt like D'Lo can always do, be more off ball. He just um, didn't get quite get a lot of chances to do that. Um, but his usage percentage is like 22%, which is pretty low. Uh, it's not it's not high. And and for a number three option, which is which he's going to be the third scoring option on the Lakers at least. He uh, to have a usage rate in the 20 low 20s is kind of where you want to be for a third option. Um, so he's not going to take away the ball from LeBron or anything like that. But the good thing is, of course, is that when LeBron is off the court, you got a legit point guard who can run an offense and handle the ball and and also be able to shoot, which is obviously the biggest deal. The biggest need for the Lakers was shooting. So D'Lo, he brings that to the table. He brings the shooting, but he also brings, you know, the ability to run run an offense play make and also to to be off ball I know when LeBron is initiating the offense LeBron can kick it out to a guy that he knows he can make a three and also uh he knows he can create for himself and for others so um it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to watch um you know I'm happy how how Dilo's career has progressed he still he still has flaws, of course. He still he still has deficiencies. Um, you know, on defense on defense he still struggles sometimes, but he's definitely I think a lot better of a defender than when he was first with the Lakers when he was uh, drafted. And even though he's not the athletic super athletic, he's become a much better team defender. Um he's he's knows who he is and you know he knows he knows how to he knows how to play team defense and and um I think he'll be more locked in especially now that he's on a team that has I mean the T-Wolves had you know playoff they're in the playoffs last year so it's not like he was coming off a bad team and the Lakers are worse than the T-Wolves in the in the standing so and I want to say he's was playing on a crappy team now he's playing on the contender or anything like that but I do think he's he's gonna be more motivated because he's playing for a contract and and uh and I think he's gonna be locked in especially with LeBron there um I think he he obviously respects LeBron and um and admires him so uh I think I think D'Lo it's gonna it's gonna do pretty well you know uh, and I think he's a perfect kind of number three scoring option for the Lakers. And then we look at Beasley. Beasley, good shooter, good three-point shooter, um, good size. You know, he can – he's definitely one of those streaky guys, though. He Beasley can get hot, really hot one game, make like eight threes, and then next game can kind of fall off a little bit. But he can go off. That's a good thing about Beasley. He, you know, he's, he's another guy, you know, that played with D'Lo. So D'Lo knows – Beasley and you know he's a good shooter um so he's more of a streaky than just like a a streaky shooter than just a a consistent three-point guy but his his percentages are really good and that's the that's again Lakers need uh need a guy like that he's he's kind of like filled that Malik Monk role you know where Malik Monk was uh like a streaky kind of shooter that would get high and go off and I think uh Beasley's kind of in that same type of realm, uh, which is nice to have. You know, you kind of need a guy like that because any given any given game, they can 
they can kind of win you a game by just sinking eight threes or or something like that. So um, that's good. And then Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's one of those players that fans are going to like right away. Um, again, like when the Lakers traded D'Lo or when D'Lo left the Lakers, I kind of kept up with his career in Brooklyn and then with the T-Wolves. Uh, so I've watched, I have NBA league pass. I've watched the T-Wolves over the last couple of years. So um, I know about Beasley and Vanderbilt because uh, they were on the T-Wolves. Um, so Vanderbilt was one of those guys that I really liked every time he was on the floor because he's just one of those hustle guys. He plays hard. He rebounds. He's athletic. He's Laker fans were really, um, they're really going to get to like uh, Vanderbilt. He's going to be one of those uh, team or fan favorites. So he's a good pickup. And the fact that they got all three of those guys for basically Westbrook and a protected first round pick, I think that's a win. I think that was a good job by Rob Palinka. And, um, and it makes them better. It, it just makes them deeper. It makes them better. And it's a better fit. Uh, and then when you look at Rui as well, getting Rui in there, again, they got a lot younger, a lot more athletic. Um, and uh, they got, you know, they're a lot deeper. And then, well, LeBron James, you know what he needs. You know, he, he you don't need a ton of, you know, superstars everywhere. Uh, you, when he has success, um, he's had three-point shooters, spot-up shooters, guys that can um, uh, make threes and make open shots. And because LeBron's always going to control the game. Um, so you still have the you still have LeBron and AD along with these all these complementary role pieces that they are gonna fit well, and then the, they also got uh, Devon Reed, uh, which was you know they traded Thomas Bryant, which is kind of shocking at first, but then they got Mo Bamba, uh, Mo Bamba, interesting player because he has obviously a lot of potential. He was a lottery pick, a high draft pick, uh, has crazy lanes and size. Um, but uh, he's still kind of raw, you know. Uh, I don't, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Mobamba on the Magic, but from what I've seen, he's pretty raw. He still has a lot to work on. Uh, but he, but he's athletic and he's has lengths and has size, and he's a guy that I think can you know spell minutes for AD, make um, where AD can kind of play the four and and you know with AD's injury history. Uh, guys like Mo Bamba will at least help help uh, help with keeping AD on the floor. I think uh, I I, know, I, don't, I don't expect Mo Bamba to play a ton of minutes or anything like that. But with Vanderbilt and Mo Bamba in there, um, the Lakers got a lot younger and a lot more um, length and athleticism. And, uh, and I just think I think they're a good fit. You know, I think you know they traded Patrick Beverly away. For Bamba, and I think they got. I think they're in a good position now. Um, I expect them to make a run at. I feel like the Lakers will will get to the sixth seed. Because when you look at the standings, teams that are ahead of them that made uh, some of these trades. Let me take a look real, real quick here. When you look at the trades they made and where they're at the standings, the Lakers are in 13th in the 13th spot. They are four back in the loss column from the sixth spot, which is Phoenix right now. But you got other teams in here like Minnesota, 
um, Utah, OKC that I think are going to fall off. I feel the Lakers will, will catch OKC, Utah, and Portland. Um, if they can get to that, that you know, 10th spot during the play-in. So I, I feel like the Lakers will for sure at least be in the play-in. And if they're in the play-in, I don't see LeBron losing a play-in game to get into the playoffs. I feel like LeBron will do any, everything in his power to make sure the Lakers don't lose a play-in game. So, um, so there are only three. You know, the West is so jumbled there. Only four back in the loss column. They can catch Phoenix. And, and well, the Phoenix, now with Kevin Durant, uh, they're obviously going to probably go up in the standings there. But there's at least three teams the Lakers can pass. And I think they will to at least get in the play-in. And they if they're in the play-in, they're not going to lose a play-in. LeBron won't let them lose a play-in. So I think they'll at least be in the play-in, and then they'll get into the top six there. They'll win a play-in to get into the top six. And once you're in, once you're in the playoffs, you know, especially with LeBron, you can never, you can never, even at 38 years old, you can never count them out. So that's my thoughts on the Lakers on the trade deadline. I'm excited. Um, I'm gonna definitely watch their games a lot more. I the Lakers when I watch them, I get so frustrated. It's like I stopped, man. But now at this point, um, with the trades they made, I'm I'm excited again. So I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to see where this is gonna go. And and um, what I want to talk about next here is um, uh, the Kevin Durant trade going to the Suns. I do think uh, I do think it makes the Suns a favorite. A lot of things need to go right. Kevin Durant needs to stay healthy. Chris Paul needs to stay healthy. Uh, Booker, who just came back from injury, needs to stay healthy. But I do think they should be the favorites in the West. Um, yeah, I mean, when what they what they have, they should be the favorites. So um, it's going to be exciting to see because hopefully, you know, the Suns and the Lakers can meet each other in the playoffs. Kevin Durant and LeBron haven't played against each other since 2018. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, Durant getting traded is a big deal, man. It's a very big deal. I don't feel like the Suns gave up over, you know, too much. You know, four four first round picks. It is what it is. When you look at Rudy Rudy Gobert, four it was four first round picks for Gobert too. It's like the same trade Gobert got, and you got a uh, you know Kevin Durant who's a, a top fifteen player all the time. So, um, uh, um, it's gonna be excited, uh, exciting. So, uh, yeah, with the Mavericks too and getting Kyrie. So we'll see what happens, but. Uh, the NBA just got a lot more interesting. Um, and uh, that'll be it for, for the trade deadline discussion. Next, I do want to talk about LeBron becoming the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. And uh, I'm going to take a quick break here, but I'll be right back. All right, so LeBron became the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, on Tuesday when they played the, the Thunder. And... Yeah, I just want to talk about it briefly. It's it's a big deal. It's it's crazy that LeBron has been this good for this long, you know. And for the longest time, you know, especially growing up in Southern California as a Laker fan, uh, you know, we're Kobe Kobe guys, you no know, diehard Kobe's Kobe's your guy. And uh, when I was a teenager, I would always uh, kind of debate with people about you know Kobe being better and this and that. And then, uh, you know, there was a time where 
when I hated LeBron. Um, when he was first drafted, his first stint with the Cavs, I didn't really, I didn't really hate him, but I didn't also didn't like him really. And and the part of the reason was because um, there was a whole Kobe debate. You know, uh, he, if he's threatening Kobe's legacy or or is he better than Kobe? But it was never like um, I don't like him. It's just um, um, didn't really. I kind of root for him, I guess, uh, and it was because because of Kobe. And then when he left the Cavs to join Miami, do the big three and all that, that's uh, that's the uh, honestly that's the that's the time where I hated LeBron. <laughs> I did not like LeBron in Miami at all. Um, I hated everything about the way he went there and and uh, the whole celebration they did, um, doing the whole like. Um, fireworks like it was like a entrance wwe entrance when they when they did like the um uh press conference or introduction and lebron was like you know not one not two not three not four not five not you know about all the championships we're gonna win and that that's when i hated lebron at that time and i think most people did uh, anybody who was basically not not a miami heat fan did at that time and, uh, and yeah, that's, you know, that was, that was those years when we played against, you know, well, the year he, when he lost against the Mavericks, man, that was, that was such a, a good feeling, you know, uh, <laughs> at that time. So, so, um, so yeah, but then, you know, you got his two championships uh, and I, and at that time I, he was the best player in the league. Oh, you know, I wasn't going to argue against that. But then when he went back to Cleveland, uh, that's when I actually started to like LeBron again, or I guess for the first time, because like I said, um, his first day with the Cavs, it's not that I hated him. I just didn't really root for him because I wanted Kobe to, to win the championship everywhere. I wanted the Lakers to win. I was a Kobe guy. So anytime LeBron lost in the playoffs, like when he lost to the Magic and then we lost to the Celtics, um, it, it was, it was good for me because, you know, here's Kobe going back to the finals, winning back-to-back championships, and then LeBron losing in the playoffs. And uh, by that time, people were starting to say LeBron's better, and I would you know, argue against it, fight against it. Uh, even though LeBron was statistically starting to surpass Kobe, he was you know, uh, getting the regular season MVPs. He had one back-to-back MVPs. Uh, but at the end of the day, he wasn't getting to the finals. He wasn't winning the championship. Kobe was. So that was that was my thing back then. Um, so when he went to Miami, that was when the hate, when I was real, like hatred, I wanted to see them lose. Um, but then when he went back to Cleveland, I actually, uh, liked, I liked him. I liked that he did that because he left that city kind of, you know, just kind of broke them, broke their hearts, you know, announcing on national TV that I'm breaking up with you. I'm joining Miami and, you know, you know, LeBron, LeBron is not a bad hearted person, but that was just probably the wrong way to go, go about doing that at that time. So when he went back, I was actually happy for him, um, because that's his home city or his home state, you know, Ohio. So the fact that he went back there and won them a championship, um, no that that was when it was like, okay, this guy's legit. You know, this guy is, this guy is great. This guy's one of the greatest players ever. And, um, that's when I started to kind of get over the whole Kobe LeBron thing when he went back to Cleveland and and won in 2016, you know, coming back from three, one against, 
a team that won 73 games, um, historical, you know, just, just great and just crazy that he was able to do that. And at that point, that's when I really grew appreciation for LeBron when he came back down from three, one. And I got over the whole Kobe LeBron thing. And, and I started to be fine with people, you know, saying LeBron was better, you know, um, I wasn't going to argue against it. Uh, I wasn't going to fight about it. Um, so when he went one in 16, that's when, uh, I really grew, uh, uh, appreciation, admiration for LeBron. And then of course, you know, he, he, uh, continues to play in Cleveland a couple more years, losing to the Warriors and can't blame him for losing to the Warriors. The Warriors were stacked, especially once Kevin Durant went there. Um, never, never held those, held those final losses against LeBron, uh, when he played the Warriors. Um, and, uh, he kept, kept on doing what he does and, and he goes to the Lakers, uh, brings the Lakers the championship in 2020 and, uh, and passes Kareem, you know, here we are, uh, here we are years later, uh, passing Kareem on the all time scoring, scoring list, which is. A record that I didn't know anybody was gonna catch, to be honest. Um, especially by this point of his career, I thought LeBron was gonna be not done. I, I still think I still thought he was gonna be a really good player, but the fact that he's averaging thirty points a game is crazy at at thirty eight. You know, and what he's doing now is insane. Um, he's gonna retire having the best total career of any player ever. He's going to be the first player in history with 40,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 10,000 assists, which is insane when you really think about it. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what else he has to do or what else he can do. Obviously, keep winning championships was the last thing on his list. Um, but outside of Jordan, I'll be honest, I don't know if there's anybody better than LeBron. Um, uh, he's he's a one-on-one player. He really is. And... Um, and um, uh, you can argue player, other players had greater peaks. Uh, you know, Jordan, I think Jordan's peak might still be, you know, greater. But when it comes to, like, his career and what he's done, LeBron has accomplished just about everything. And and to be going this strong at this age is, is crazy, you know, and... The fact that nobody talks about him like he's a great scorer, you know, people always say like this player is a better scorer. Um, he's an all-time leading scorer, and we think of LeBron as a pass-first guy. Um, so, yeah, man, I, it's I think I think it's a big deal, and I think people should really um, cherish that moment, uh, this moment with LeBron, because. You know, it's like he's not going to play forever. And, uh, you know, I was watching that game on TV because um, I know, you know, him when he passed, when he passed Kareem, I knew it was going to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing because I don't, I don't know if anybody's going to catch LeBron in, in my lifetime, you know. It might be a record that nobody can get to in at least another 50 years. So it's very historical, you know. And I think one day we'll look at, we'll look at it like, um, like the home run record, you know, we don't, we don't look at baseball. I mean, basketball records, I say we would look at baseball for some reason, you know, but baseball, we know, we know like the numbers, right? We know 755, Hank Aaron, 714, Babe Ruth. We don't, 
We don't really do that with basketball, uh, but I think we'll get to the point where we do. And and uh, yeah, I think I think LeBron LeBron uh, um, it cemented himself forever, and and um, it's a great accomplishment that he's uh, passed that record because I didn't think he was going to get to it. To be honest, I thought by this point of his career, he'd be more more of the his scoring would be like in the low twenties, and he he'd be in a different stage of his career because. That's how it is, right? Michael Jordan, at the same age as LeBron, was averaging 20 points a game. You know, Kobe was basically done at this age, right? It was his last year of his career. It was his final season with the Lakers at the same age. So this guy doing what he's doing at his age is is just wild. It's crazy. And, um, yeah, he when he is all said and done, you might look at him as the greatest player of all time. You know, it's... Um, that's a debate for another day, but, um, it, it's a big deal. And I want to just talk about that briefly because, um, it, it's historical. So those are my thoughts on LeBron breaking Kareem of the all-time scoring record. The last thing I want to talk about before I close this out is, uh, the Grammys and, uh, uh, the hip hop celebration they did, uh, as well as, uh, the performance at the end. So, um, um, take a take another little break, but I'll be right back. All right, so the Grammys did a um, celebration of hip hop for the 50th uh, 50 year anniversary of hip hop, 50 years of hip hop, and they did this it's a really dope uh, celebration. Um, Questlove organized it, put it all together, and um, it was honestly uh, surprising. Uh, because it was a Grammys, you know, that they, that they're able to do something this cool, this, this kind of um, awesome, you know, uh, something for hip-hop like this, uh, which, you know, the Grammys have historically kind of overlooked hip-hop, especially when it comes to the best album of the year category and things like that. Um, so it was it was really dope. Um, I just want to talk about, about that because I watched it live. Um, just seeing all the OGs on stage. You had a uh, Melly Mel shirtless, <laughs> all yoked. Um, I mean, that guy's a pioneer, right? To to start off with the pioneers, uh, Melly Mel, Gra- Grandmaster Flash, um, and then uh, you know Run DMC, Rock Him. Uh, it was super super dope, and those guys got all got their moment on stage. You had a uh, uh, Scarface. You had um, who else was there? You had Buster Rhymes, uh, Big Boy, um, yeah, I mean, uh, forgive me if I forget anybody, but it was cool, it was such a vibe, uh, Queen Latifah, Missy Elliott, um, super dope, um, it was exciting to see all those legends on stage at once, Aloe Cool J, um, and and it's it's cool that hip hop was able to or their Grammys were able to do this for hip hop fifty years celebration, um, celebrating the history, kind of going through the era, starting from the pioneers, going up until the latest latest uh, generation, which you know when they made that transition, I, when it, when we got to the new era, it kind of fell off a little bit, like the vibe change you can tell when like uh, Lil Baby was performing, nothing against him. I thought his performance was fine, but like maybe the song he performed 
um, didn't quite hit because it was everybody was so hyped up. And all of a sudden, when Little Baby comes out, it was kind of like the whole mood and vibe change. Um, so it wasn't perfect, but uh, still dope nonetheless. They also didn't have anybody from the 2010s. They kind of skipped the whole era because they went straight from like Nelly and the Locks, which is like early 2000s to to um now to present day right they kind of skipped the whole decade um i don't know why i don't know if they couldn't get anybody from the 2010s to perform you know kendrick was there you know kendrick got his grammys he maybe kendrick could have could have performed he could have definitely been in been in that been in there but maybe he didn't want to um you think of like j cole or or um Drake, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they didn't get anybody from the 2010s, Tyler, the creator, somebody, uh, kind of disappointing, but I do think that's a great era of hip-hop. I, I think the 2010s was such a re- resurgence in hip-hop. I, I think, in my opinion, the 2000s was the weakest era. The 90s, the 80s, um, you know, mid-80s on was when hip-hop started to evolve, and then the 90s is like the best era of hip-hop. You know, that's, I think that's the era where the genre was at its peak, was the 90s. And then the 2000s, you know, I don't want to shit on the 2000s, but there there was some great albums and great music that came out in the 2000s. But overall, as, an, as a decade, I think that's the worst decade in hip-hop. Um, and then uh, in the 2010s, I feel like that, that era, that, like, that uh blog era those rappers that came out of the 2010s kendrick lamar j cole uh drake uh big crit uh, mac miller um wale with khalifa you know i'm not like all all those guys had great careers i'm not like i don't want i don't want to say that i'm like super duper fans of all those guys but i can't hate on that era like the era had a lot of talent and a lot of rappers that went on to have legendary careers you know so uh the fact that they didn't get that era involved kind of disappointing but nonetheless it was still super dope especially to see the amount of legends they were able to get on there uh just dope man seeing seeing rakim chuck d public enemy you know you had flavor flave super super cool man and uh it was hype don't met the man um uh, just just really dope i just wanted to give my thoughts on that real quick because it was it was it was cool to see and at the end, you know, you had uh, you had the God Day performance with a uh, uh, Jay Z, Little Wayne, and and uh, Rick Ross, and uh, that was a great way to close it. Um, Jay Z, man, Hove is is crazy because as soon as I start to say like I think Nas has Nas is the go or Nas has surpassed Jay Z, Jay Z comes with this performance in the Grammys that I think I thought was legendary. That, that's that's like a four minute verse and the breath control, the enunciation, the presence, you know, he did the whole verse sitting down, but it's still, you still felt the impact and all that. Like he, that he's, he's such a one-on-one, you know, uh, hope, you know, and, uh, it really wants, wants for me, like, I really hope he makes another album at some point. Um, but yeah, the, the hip hop performances in the Grammys were the best thing, you know. Uh, I watched all the whole Grammys. I watched all the performances, 
some of the other stuff was not for me. <laughs> some of those other performances, uh, but most of the hip hop performances, as long as like uh, the Motown, Steve Stevie Wonder, and Smokey Robinson, that was really that was really uh, that was really special too. So, uh, no, those performances were great. That's one that stood out. Um, the hip hop, Fifty Years was it was special and it was really cool to see. So, I just want to get my thoughts on that. Now I want to close that out with that. Oh. Well, actually, well, before I close it out, the Super Bowl. Forgot about the Super Bowl this Sunday. Chiefs, Eagles. Uh, real quick, I got the Eagles. I think they're the better team, uh, better overall team. Um, I know Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. It's hard to bet against him, but uh, I think the Eagles will they'll take it. I think it'll be a high scoring game, uh, something like thirty. I'll say now, nah, I'll say like twenty eight to twenty four. Um, Eagles, um, I just, I just think they're so talented, you know, and I think we, we keep, we keep, uh, kind of dismissing Jalen Hurts and, and nobody wants to kind of take them seriously yet, but with the offensive line they have, the pass rush they have, um, the skilled players, they're going to be hard to stop, you know, and the Chiefs, Mahomes is Mahomes, but you still got the ankle injury and, um, and there's only one weapon I really trust that they have, you know, the Chiefs. It's Travis Kelsey. And it's going to be Mahomes and Kelsey, you know. I don't really trust Jimmy Schuster Smith or, you know, I know um, Pacheco has had a good, kind of good run here. But I don't know, man. I I think we're asking the Chiefs to be almost perfect. We're asking Mahomes to play like a perfect game, which he's totally capable of. Um, but we're asking the Chiefs to almost play um, flawless. I think they have to play almost flawless to win. And the Eagles, on the other hand, I don't think they have to play a perfect game to win. I think the Eagles can have some some mistakes and still win because I, I just think they're that much more of a talent, talented team at the moment, you know. Um, so we'll see. Should be exciting. Going to have a Super Bowl party. That's always fun. So um yeah um it is what it is uh but i'm taking the eagles um so we'll see we'll see how that goes and uh i will catch you guys on the next one uh we'll do a dodger podcast again soon spring training is right around the corner so uh i will get into uh my preview for the upcoming season so that'll be it for this podcast thank you guys for listening have a good one uh stay safe love you guys catch you on the next one Can fuck with me, extra-